0: This is Pastor Landon Davis with your daily Bible study. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 9 of the World English Bible. I tell you the truth in Christ, and I'm not lying, my conscience testifying with me in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and unceasing pain in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brother's sake, my relatives according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Whose is the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service and the service and the promises? Of whom are the fathers, and from whom is Christ? As concerning the flesh, who is over all God blessed for ever? Amen. Previous Paul had celebrated the liberty that he had in the spirit and the power of God's grace to those that believe. Now he grieves over his Jewish brothers who haven't experienced the same. They placed their faith in God's law, but somehow they had missed God. The word that they believed in, the word was made flesh. God was with them, but they were too blind to see that the very one the the law spoke of walked among them. The Jews were very blessed, and through the Jews, we know that the whole world was blessed because of Christ. At least in his flesh, at least his flesh was Uh, uh, In his flesh, he was of Jewish descent, uh, though he really is God over all and blessed forever. And so, the Jewish people had brought in so many blessings into the world, and yet many of them were lost. Verse 6, "...but it is not as though the word of God has come to nothing, for they are not all Israel that are of Israel. Neither because they are Abraham's offspring are they all children, but your offspring will be accounted as from Isaac." That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of promise are counted as heirs. For this is a word of promise, at the appointed time I will come, and Sarah will have a son. Not only so, but Rebekah also conceived by one, by our father Isaac, for being not yet born, neither having done anything good or bad, that the purpose of God according to election might stand." Not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the elder will serve the younger. Even as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. The word of God definitely had been beneficial to the nation of Israel. It had been a blessing. uh, And there were many Jewish believers who were saved out of the nation of Israel. There always is a righteous remnant. However, his grief is that there were so many that had the opportunity to be saved, but were not. Just as not everyone that attends church today is actually the church, not everyone of Jewish descent was going to receive the blessings of God. Not, Not everyone that was a part of Israel was actually a part of Israel, if that makes sense. Abraham had had a child of faith. And he had had a child of the flesh, and so it still was among this nation. Some were of faith, and some were of the flesh. The child of the promise of faith was the promised seed. And then after that, we have another example. Isaac had twin sons, Jacob and Esau, and God, in his foreknowledge, announced that Esau would serve Jacob. Now, if this was based on man's standard, Jacob would have served Esau, since Esau was the eldest. If this was based on man's judgment, Jacob would have forfeited any right to a blessing when he deceived his brother and his father. Yet God did the choosing— Jacob was chosen because God could see more than we can. And so he saw who Jacob would become. He would not always be a deceiver. He would not always be a thief. Eventually, he would have an encounter with God and he would commit to serve the one true God uh, of Abraham and Isaac. uh, Jacob's name would be changed to Israel. Esau's, on the other hand, Esau never found a place to repent. Jacob's sins... Uh, I'm sorry, Jacob's sons um, would form the 12 tribes of Israel, while Esau's offspring would depart from the living God, and actually they would continually, despitefully use and persecute God's people. And so the expression, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated, is using a Hebrew idiom. This doesn't mean to hate like we use it, like to utterly detest necessarily. Instead, this is used in terms of comparison. Similar to when Jesus told his followers that they were to, to, to love him and to hate their father and mother. Clearly, he didn't mean detest your parents. In fact, he rebuked the people of his day that gave a gift to God instead of taking care of their parents. If a man won't take care of his household, he's worse than an unbeliever. So what did Jesus mean? Well, Jesus, while believing and honoring your father and mother, he simply was illustrating that we have to give preference to the kingdom. And so Jacob, and in this case, this was written years after Jacob and Esau were dead uh, by the prophet Malachi. That's, that's what Paul is quoting here from the book of Malachi. So he's speaking of Jacob, but not just of Jacob, but of the descendants, the nation of Israel, they received special blessings of God compared to the descendants of Esau, who had continued in sin and eventually received such a harsh judgment that by about the time of Jesus, they, they had no longer even really existed as a people. Verse fourteen. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? May it never be. For he said to Moses, "I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion." <coughs> so then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who has mercy. For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, "For this very person I caused you. To, for this very purpose I caused you to be raised up, that I might show in you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth." So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Now, what this discussion has really all been about, has been about God choosing to extend salvation to the Gentiles, and many Jews not walking through the door of salvation. How could God be just in doing this when the nation of Israel had been his people for so many years? And so this is why we had the comparison of Esau and Jacob. Men would say Esau should have been saved, yet God saw who Jacob could become. And then here again, we have an example of how God makes the right decision and God has the right to make the decision the the, the church then was spreading rapidly among the Gentiles and was largely being rejected by the Jewish race. The Gentiles had stumbled in darkness. They had worshiped idols for generations. Uh, They believed in in many, many gods, had offered up their children as sacrifices, just heaped up sins. The Jews, though many of them did not believe in Christ, at least had at times had a semblance of righteousness. So how was God just going to open the door of salvation to people that obviously did not deserve it? Well, Paul appeals back to the nation of Israel leaving Egypt. After they worshiped the golden calf, instead of cutting his people off, God chose to forgive them. He said he could have mercy and compassion on whoever he wanted to, and he chose to forgive them, though they were guilty of idolatry. Pharaoh, on the other hand, now remember, Pharaoh had hardened his heart against God. He had set his course, and so God... Hardened his heart even further to an absolutely unreasonable hardness, so that uh, the full measure of judgment was poured out on Egypt, and the greatness of the God of Israel was proclaimed throughout all of the nations, and so God used both of them and um and on one he extended mercy whenever they were willing to repent. And on the other, when Pharaoh was not willing to relent or to repent, he further hardened him, but both were used for the purpose of God. Verse 19, you will say then to me, why does he still find fault for who withstands his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed ask him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? Or hasn't the potter right over the clay from the same lump to make one part a vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction that he might make known the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory? Us, whom he also called not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. It will be that in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, that they will be called the children of the living God. Isaiah cried concerning Israel, If the number of the children of Israel are as the sand of the sea, It is the remnant who will be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. As Isaiah has said before, unless the Lord of armies had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and would have been made like Gomorrah. And so he starts with the question. He said, whenever I speak of the Lord um, choosing to bless and save the Gentiles, and using both the good and the bad for his will, then you can respond, well, then we're powerless to change God's will, so why does it matter if we believe? How can God judge us he uh, He made us this way, and again, this is something similar as used modern in our modern day when people say, Well, I was born this way. Is there any validity to this argument well First, Paul says it's arrogant to question God. Everything God does is right and just and good. Second, he, he said you say these things. He never said they were true or that God said them. Does God's will always override human free will? Uh, the Bible has many examples where we know that it does not. We know that God's purpose is accomplished on the earth, but there are some aspects of his will that... Haven't yet been fulfilled, and it's because of the hardness and the rebellion of men. For example, we know it is not his will for any to perish, yet the world is full of men dying in their sins. Even when Jesus came the first time to the house of Israel among the Jews, he said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He, he wanted to gather them in close, but they wouldn't allow him to. He was rejected by most of them. And so what we see is from the same lump, from, from the, the Jews, there'll be some that are saved and some that are lost. Or uh, from the, the, the Gentiles, uh, there'll be some that are saved and some that are lost. And so sure Israel had been God's people for, for a long time, but we see when Jesus came he declared the generation was really faithless and perverse and uh and, and so maybe God endured people that had a history of rejecting him simply because there was a blessing on the other side of it, and he endured the vessels of wrath because he he knew that there was going to be a glorious church and so when he was rejected by his own people and the nation of Israel crucified messiah Jesus told them ahead of time, the blood of all the prophets are going to be required of this generation. And yet, even in that, we see the patient endurance of the Lord because Jerusalem didn't fall for uh, almost 40 more years. And so, just as God waited in the days of Noah, He waits so that He can show mercy. And his glorious riches, and he he he's opened the the door to Jew and Gentile alike to whosoever will verse thirty. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles who didn't follow after righteousness attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel following after a law of righteousness didn't arrive at the law of righteousness. Why? Because they didn't seek it by faith, but as it were, by works of the law. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Even as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and no one who believes in him will be disappointed. Ultimately, the Old Testament pointed to Christ. It all testified of him. All the prophets spoke of him. John the Baptist came and prepared the way for him. Israel was blessed with every advantage, yet many would not commit their lives to Christ and believe the same is true today of many gentiles our homes are full of dusty bibles we've known the gospel since childhood we when we have a need we ask for prayer our mouths are near him but just like in that generation with all this religious practice many of us our hearts are far from him people claim the name of jesus but they have no interest in departing from iniquity they Talk of grace, yet they never allow grace to teach them how to do good. It's simply an excuse to continue in sin. Faith in Christ means... Not just to believe in your head that I believe there's a savior, but but truly to give your entire heart to fully commit and submit to him. So when we have faith in Christ, we stand on his word. We 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 make our moral decisions based on what Christ and His Word says is good or evil. We seek to follow after him. We cast our cares on him. We forsake and Confess our sins to Him. We humble ourselves before Him because He's our righteousness. He's our strength. He's our salvation. In fact, the Bible tells us He's supposed to be our very life. And so, if you can believe, like the Scripture says, if you can believe what the Scripture tells us about Christ, well, then you will not be disappointed. Uh, he is rich in mercy; God is sovereign, and He can save the worst of sinners if they will turn to him in faith. However, if you reject the truth, if you harden your heart, even if you' have lived an upright life or been religious but if if you reject the truth, if you harden your heart, if you're willing to do things your own way without Seeking the face of God. God has every right and he is justified when he judges. God is sovereign. God is right, and God is just, and he's made a way of salvation, and the only way is Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. ask that you would teach us to follow you, teach us to rely on you, teach us to believe in you. Mighty God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for the blood of Calvary. We thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you poured out on us. I thank you for all of your precious promises. You you are able to save to the uttermost. We depend completely. Completely and wholly on you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.